0: We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor.
1: Good townsfolk, have you recently noticed a distinct odor about town and wondered to yourself, what's that smell? Is it coming from Taylor's shop, Luke's diner, or across the square by the hair stand? The newsstand by Gypsy's auto shop? By God, the whole town smells.
0: You might recall the Easter egg hunt from over a week ago. Turns out of the 300 eggs hidden around the square... Only 241 were found. If you do the math, yeah, that means 59 rotting eggs are left decomposing in the square. Unfortunately, no detailed map was made this year to avoid a catastrophe such as this.
1: Answer Taylor's plea for brave volunteers this afternoon to remedy this disaster. It will be exhausting and disgusting work, but as a thank you, you will receive a 5% discount off prepared food at food at Dosie's and even a 20% discount off day-old sushi.
0: And for listeners of Talking Fast, Taylor has a special offer. Let a cashier know the code TALKFAST, and you'll receive 15% off one of the most luxurious items in the store, a bag of marshmallows.
1: Enjoy! (music) Enjoy! Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show excited to rewatch and recap it along the way.
0: This week we are recapping Gilmore Girls season 4 episode 18. Tick, 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 boom. (laughs) Uh, Jason and Richard are sued. Rory is upset by a decision Dean made. Dean is told to stop spending time with Rory. Huh. Wow. And that's what you missed on Gilmore Girls.
1: Yeah. A lot of short sentences there. Yeah, they like their choppy <laughs> um,
0: sentences. Yeah. I also, like, was thrown off by the title because I believe the
1: yeah. musical
0: is Tick, Tick, Boom, right? Yeah, So that's they what added I was in thinking. a third tick.
1: <laughs> yeah. For drama. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we get into things, we've got a review on Apple Podcasts to read for you guys. This one's kind of going back into our archive, so we'll... Yeah. I think we can, we'll see some things in here that we have progressed on. <laughs> Progress. Um, but this is from Boiler JJ, and he they said, I like the focused discussions on the stories and characters. Little wandering off topic. Suzanne is soft-spoken, and they seem a bit unprepared. They sometimes appear to be winging it, but they are new at this and getting better. I'm eager for them to use their postgraduate literature knowledge to analyze storylines and character arcs. To provide more in-depth understanding yay and that was a four star i believe yeah yeah, yeah i think
0: getting new microphones definitely helped us out <laughs> yeah um, in terms of like audio but we definitely are still new at this in terms of tech so if anyone ever has wise wisdom for me i do the audacity like sound stuff i'm always Mm -hmm. open to listen
1: (laughs) yeah we have gotten much better i feel like oh my gosh for visual context for everybody i'm being attacked by a kitten right now Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) you're wandering off
1: topic or no (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel like we have gotten better at i mean we definitely still go on tangents but i feel like that's the fun spontaneity of a conversation yeah you know and I don't think that we ever seem unprepared anymore. We were always pretty prepared, but I feel like we've gotten better at seeming prepared.
0: <laughs> yeah, like have, yeah, having the preparedness reflect out into the podcast itself, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so that was from our archive from a longtime listener of ours. And we still want fresh stuff. So if you want your review read on the podcast, let us know by leaving a review on apple and spotify even or Mm -hmm. you know we'll find it we'll find anything i guess just send a a pigeon to us and we'll (laughs) read what you said
1: yeah my my cats will eat it
0: oh okay well
1: (laughs) poor pigeon pigeon.
0: (laughs) whatever happened to all the pigeons that's what lorelei should have been asking instead of the (laughs) anvils (laughs)
1: that's true
0: Okay, moving on to our next segment of our intro stuff. We have our initial thoughts about this episode. Tick, 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 boom. Um, Still got the cat going. (laughs) I tried to get rid of him. (laughs) What what did your cat Jonesy think of this episode?
1: (laughs) Well, I don't know. He got got neutered this morning, so I feel mm. like everything is a bit traumatic to him right now. But I also agree that this episode was kind of traumatic. Like, there were so many mm-hmm. bad things that happened. it was hard to, like, find a gazebo moment, I think, in this episode. Because yeah. it was just drama and, like, explosions left and right. Ooh, people acting yeah. badly, you know. Yeah, so it was, people it was acting a fun episode.
0: <laughs> it was a dramatic episode to watch. Mm-hmm. I was, like, fully in it. And, like yeah I just feel like we're kind of entering the dark (laughs) the darkness that lurks at the end of season four and (laughs) we're definitely like entering it in this episode for sure and yeah so much is gonna go down it's really like i That, like, saying, I think ASP has said before of like Gilmore Girls is kind of just like la 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 la. And then they save like a big drama for like Mm. boom out of like it's just hits you. And we're being hit in this episode for sure with the consequences of so many actions. (laughs) Well, no, not (laughs) the consequences aren't necessarily arriving yet, but we like know they will. They're (laughs) building, they're building.
1: We only have three episodes left, right, in this. Or is it four? 19 20
0: 21 20, 22 four. probably
1: four there's so much that still has to happen
0: yeah it's gonna be, gonna be on packed. a roller coaster
1: yeah
0: we're like right at the peak of the roller coaster probably i know apex climax
1: yeah
0: there's apex, our graduate um analysis of storylines <laughs> yeah <for> you. <laughs> did you uh, know the climax of a story is at the end of the rising action and then there's the falling action yeah <laughs> I would kind of say
1: that maybe we're at the rising action, actually. Yeah. 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 I think that's accurate.
0: Speaking of rising action. Okay. Our Talking Fast <laughs> segment, which is all about so much the Talking Fast through. action.
1: <laughs> I think it's my turn. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pull up
0: my timer. All right. On your mark,
1: get set, go. So the big thing this episode is Richard and Jason are expanding while they're out golfing with their new employee partner i don't know they run into floyd who asks them to have a dinner this dinner is the first time lorelei's meeting the parents but it also goes pretty badly when floyd says that he's going to be suing richard and jason um meanwhile rory and has another run-in with dean and dean says that he's quitting school and rory complains about Lindsay, and she hears it and then oh gosh gosh. i thought i was doing so well
0: (laughs) you were getting there you were getting there (laughs) thanks uh, obviously, to pick up right where you were leaving off at the the buzzer, the <laughs> the second plot of the episode is the Rory Dean and Lindsay thing, and I think yeah, the only other thing to add is Lindsay will overhear Rory's complaints in a very awkward moment, and also Dean will like approach her, and we can talk about that yeah. horrible scene later. <laughs> and then the third, <laughs> the C plot of the episode is the fun fun plot with kirk and taylor and the stinking eggs around the (laughs) town square that is like very iconic and memorable i think Mm -hmm. so it's always good to have like a silly stars hollow plot to accompany the more Mm -hmm. serious plots in the story as a nice like comic relief so i did appreciate that
1: (laughs) yeah that's very true thank god for kirk and taylor and
0: And taylor and his tan (laughs) and his toupee which Wonderful. we are introduced to in our cold open at mm-hmm. Luke's what a smooth transition <laughs> nice we're at Luke's Lorelai is sitting with Sookie and Jackson who we haven't seen in a while Jackson mm-hmm. we haven't so it's good to see him Davy's there a real baby Lorelai <laughs> is feeding him they're talking about like when you say open for the plane or whatever, what did you say to baby before planes? So it was like choo choo, and I don't know if that if that matters so much. But they're chatting. Luke is grumpy about babies, of course, and then in walks Taylor, looking tan, <laughs> looking like he has a toupee that everyone is going to make jokes yeah. about throughout the episode, <laughs> but he like refuses to acknowledge. Um, it's a
1: completely different color from the rest yeah. of his
0: hair. <laughs> oh, Taylor. <laughs> he's back from the caribbean you know feeling fresh but he has arrived to a smell uh Mm -hmm. everyone in the diner begins to talk about a certain smell in the town square and we see in the background that kirk is getting a little worked up a little (laughs) um antsy he's acting a little suspicious but at this Mm -hmm. point he keeps the secrets to himself and we're, we're left to wonder what's gonna
1: happen with this smell yeah Kirk says something that was almost my Rory's bookshelf. He threatens that he, he will get medieval on their ass for whoever <laughs> is hiding a skunk under their uh, porch or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, that is good. Yeah. All sorts of things you can say about the perception of medieval violence. Yeah. But I have, a I think, a better uh, Rory's bookshelf later on.
0: <laughs> oh, good. I don't, my Rory's bookshelf is silly. So. Well, that's
1: nice silly's good silly can be good (laughs) um our next scene we're at the inn and this is a pretty short scene just to set some stuff up there's a bookshelf that was apparently custom made for the inn although it looks like (laughs) a pretty basic bookshelf (laughs) i'm pretty sure i own that bookshelf like (laughs) it's so basic (laughs) yeah just like one two shelves waist height um But Michelle and Dean are moving it back and forth all around the inn while Lorelai and Sookie try to figure out where it looks best. Michelle is complaining the whole time, as usual, and then Dean shows his strength, I guess, (laughs) by lifting it up, and his wingspan, that's what he shows, Mm -hmm. Uh, by lifting it all up himself and moving it around. The verdict, though, is that it doesn't fit in the inn, but Rory should have it, so that's going to set up future stuff. And then also, we get a little bit of Lindsay. She arrives and she and Dean have a cute moment. She's just like picking something up, and everybody's cooing over them. And mm-hmm. it's an interesting start to the Dean and Lindsay trajectory. <laughs>
0: Definitely. I was thinking during the scene, like, Is Dean Tom's only employee? (laughs)
1: It seems like it.
0: (laughs) We see him every so often now. Mm -hmm. And with this like bookshelf bit, I want to say for the record, I moved like multiple bookshelves on my own Mm -hmm. into my office the other day. And I think you're right that what he's displaying is more about wingspan because like they're not that heavy if you don't have the books on them. At least like, you know, ones like what Dean has, which are not like very solid at all honestly Mm -hmm. so I was like justice for Michelle because he definitely Mm could have like I you know it's it is what it is I probably don't need to read into it that much but I guess I'm as like impressive as Dean is what I want to say and then (laughs) (laughs) well yay (laughs) yay for me um and I also wanted to highlight Tom in this scene who is quite peeved that they did not order this bookshelf through him and that is the reason that it doesn't fit and all of that and he gets my just sass attack when he says if you ordered it from me you wouldn't be experiencing the psychological trauma (laughs) speaking of you know psychological trauma of the episode the like bookshelf and Lindsay and Dean like I guess all of those things they're joking about those things causing the psychological trauma because I guess Michelle is like lonely and they're talking about like the deans of the world always get the Lindsays and trying to make
1: him straight (laughs) uh,
0: yeah yeah or in general like they're all like Mm -hmm. just reflecting on I don't know young love and how they don't have I don't I didn't really quite get it but I like the sassy line from Tom of course yeah
1: Tom is always he like throughout this whole scene. He's just kind of interjecting little quips like yeah. that. It's pretty great. And puffin' and <laughs> puffing. Yeah. After this, though, we get another quickish scene at Friday night dinner, in which Lorelai is spends a good three minutes talking about anvils and the disappearance of anvils and Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner. We also find out the important piece of information, which is that Richard and Jason have expanded their business and acquired bob (laughs) bob one man (laughs) yeah it's hard to tell whether he's going to be a partner or if it's just like an underling and they're getting all of his clients as well but they're expanding so they're doing well which of course is threatening to others more on that later (laughs) (laughs) exactly
0: (laughs) yeah the next day or so we are at Taylor's shop with two peas, of course. <laughs> and we get a follow up on the situation with the smell. Kirk comes in and is clearly, you know, just too guilty to let this secret go. It's like a like a character in a po like a Poe story, you know, yeah. driven <laughs> mad by their like whatever their psychological trauma yeah. as He's we say
1: sticking <laughs> his hands in the candy without knowing it <laughs> oh yeah it was poe's birthday
0: recently like a few oh. days ago so that's why that was on my spooky. mind spooky um but yeah kirk confesses to taylor and they do some math and realize that there's nearly 60 ratting eggs in the square currently and there's no map unfortunately and i think like I distinctly recall the first time like watching this episode in this plot and realizing like oh do people like actually do egg hunts with real eggs because (laughs) my family we always did like plastic eggs that are filled with candy so I was like it was news to me that they would ever like use real eggs like what's your experience with egg hunts?
1: We did both in my family like we'd have real eggs and then also the plastic ones but I think my parents, like, we just did our egg hunts inside, mm. so my parents knew very well where all the eggs <laughs> were. Mm-hmm. Um, I never did, like, a big community egg hunt or anything. Those kind of sound like mayhem, mm. where, like, all the kids are just set loose at the same time to stampede across the town square or whatever. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I don't think we ever lost an egg, though, or left mm. one to rot. We, like,
0: would do it at family gatherings. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it was still, like, at a size where, you know, we probably had, like, 30 eggs in total or something like that. And we have, like, lost them before. Like, you know, my grandma will find, like, in her flowers, like, in the spring or something, like, oh, there's an egg. But it's just not a catastrophe as
1: (laughs) this would be. Just, like, a stash of chocolate.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't even see the point of hunting for eggs if you don't get candy so
1: yeah <laughs> well I don't know It was fun you just yeah. get to like make them all pretty and stuff and then yeah. competition I guess also <laughs> um our next scene is golfing which we haven't seen fun. since Rory went golfing I think with Richard yeah do you think this is the same set or the same place I, I <laughs> don't know I kind of assume so
0: Mm-hmm.
1: but I I mean I didn't I wasn't very observant <laughs> we're more focused on her hat at the time yeah. I think <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, but Jason is not very good at golf in fact he's like about how I would be at golf he causes a lot of divots um mm-hmm. but Bob is there and we find out Bob's wife is very excited about being integrated into all this kind of I assume because of the he's she's gonna be in emily's sphere now Mm. we find out later that emily hates or we found out earlier that emily hates bob's wife yeah they called her a like adult of a wife yeah it sounds kind of like she's a much younger woman Mm -hmm. um which as we see in the revival emily (laughs) does not respect doesn't have the patience for yeah yeah (laughs) Um, But we also then get the big stuff from this scene, which is Floyd arriving. Yeah. And he is very jolly. He seems very cordial. (laughs) He asks Richard about Emily, talks about how his wife misses Emily, and then suggests that they set up a dinner and they agree to do that. It's all very, like, it seems all very innocent, but as we see later, Emily reacting to this there's a lot to dissect from this Mm -hmm. interaction like who invited who where to what could it possibly mean right uh so it's a lot of social language i guess i know there's a lot like boiling under the surface
0: and i was just thinking about like floyd is such like a smooth operator yeah
1: he's (laughs) like the way he just like
0: gets richard into this dinner he's like oh my like my yeah. wife and then while we're at it why not invite Jason and like
1: <laughs> so he devious. just like maneuvers
0: everything into place so easily
1: yeah and then we'll see later he like lulls everybody into comfort and then drops the bomb mm-hmm.
0: while well, the mid cigar yeah. yeah wow the Where'd last thing to say about this scene for me is like on Jason's bad golfing skills which I found <laughs> like so relatable and like endearing to me you know and he said like why can't businessmen do business over air hockey like I'm great at air hockey and I thought that was so funny and like I think we've seen before that Jason is like marked as sort of like of a younger generation of business Mm -hmm. people and like is different from Richard but he's also like shown to be very like good at what he does and ambitious and competitive and whatnot so like part of me actually was fairly surprised that he's not good at golf because it's that almost seemed to me like something he would have in his skill set or like that he would have done with his dad and Mm -hmm. like for so long that I was sort of surprised he's so bad at golf but like I kind of see why they added it in there to like make him
1: different like clearly different from others The older guys yeah that's a good point you think that he would have like taken private golf lessons or something so that he could Mm -hmm. show people up the next time which he promises to do later on but yeah um, maybe he was rebellious yeah I'm not gonna (laughs) go to my golf
0: lessons dad I'm gonna play air hockey in our basement
1: (laughs) wow way to go Jason (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh next we have the culmination of the bookcase scene we're at Yale, and Dean arrives. Uh, we've never seen him come to Yale before, I think, so it's great that he, I guess, found the dorm with no problem. <laughs> Seems unlikely. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's kind of out of place. Bookcase. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they quickly find out that there's no place for the bookcase there, and Rory, I think, gives a very astute uh, description of how Lorelai came to send the bookcase to her, which is she's like... There's a bookcase, and I like books, so Mm -hmm. that's (laughs) as far as it got, and it seems accurate. My
0: Rory's bookshelf is Uh, this bookshelf. (laughs)
1: How literal. (laughs) I know.
0: I, unfortunately, though, the thing about this bookshelf is that it's only Rory's bookshelf for, like, a couple minutes, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the scene, it is sent back, so poor bookshelf i we don't really ever know where that bookshelf ends up
1: yeah maybe with give dean it to and Lindsay.
0: yeah give it to L- give it
1: to lane <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> yeah she has a brand new apartment <laughs> she has
0: like nothing in her apartment <laughs> it's yeah. a good point
1: but we then get a little update rory's asking how everything is going and dean mentions that he is taking a couple semesters off school uh to work all legitimate rory yeah does not think that this is legitimate. She Mm-mm. she pretty much lectures him at this point about how once you get out of school, uh, you lose momentum and you go, you'll never go back, which is very, you know, pot calling the kettle black or foreshadowing or whatever you want to say for her. <laughs> Burn. Yeah. <laughs> very soon she will be taking her own break. <laughs> wow. But also... Dean says something which I thought was very interesting especially to be said in the early 2000s and it couldn't be more true is that college doesn't guarantee you a job anymore. It's not like for their parents and Rory is being a huge snob about him working in construction which yeah I would just like to say a lot of construction jobs pay much better than a lot of like the office jobs that you can hope to get right out of college you know yeah and do you want do you
0: want to be able to drive to your office job do you want to be able to be in an office like yeah you you need these things to be constructed uh it's true (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: yeah it's very she's very like anti-trade which yeah she
0: just she did the old just going to work in construction like the use of Mm -hmm. just in that fashion is always like key to elitism yeah as if it's something smaller. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I feel like that's a microcosm of the whole of society. Mm-hmm. We tend to be very like down on the trades, despite the fact that we need all of them to live in the society we live in. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying that as somebody with no trade skill whatsoever. Yeah, same. But <laughs> I
0: say it with appreciation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: I, yeah. And I will also like note that, Rory really in this scene and then also shortly later in the scene with Lane she does not have a firm understanding of like what you need money for (laughs) in your early life like Lane also she's probably left school at this point I think we can assume Mm -hmm. um she's working at Luke's and has her own apartment like Dean and Lindsay are doing their thing like And Rory just doesn't understand, like, well, what do you need the extra money for? Yeah. Like, she doesn't understand why they need more money. And he's talking about, like, we have the goal of getting a townhouse by the end of the year, which is, like, a very reasonable Mm -hmm. thing for, like, a young couple like that, getting your place. Like, and she just doesn't seem to understand, like, what they would need the money for. Or, like, why can't that kind of thing wait? And it's, like, yeah, she just doesn't really understand the like reality of Mm -hmm. money in that way which isn't a big surprise but like it really is a stark difference between her and dean and like this really does echo their conversations they had about college when they were dating Mm -hmm. and it seems like nothing has really changed for her even though it's like later in time she still is in the same kind of mindset
1: yeah it's disappointing yeah Rory needs to grow up. Maybe she will after she takes her own break from school.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, uh, we'll get there.
1: (laughs) I'm just like, she has such a
0: soft landing like staying at her grandparents' pool house. Like, uh, yeah.
1: (laughs) She still doesn't have to buy anything for herself.
0: Exactly.
1: She doesn't even have to live in a run-down apartment with Paris and Doyle for very long. She just moves into a penthouse with Logan, you know. (sighs)
0: She
1: doesn't have to work very hard for her. things (laughs) Mm -hmm. even when she's struggling in the revival with like not Mm -hmm. having
0: work she still had like she said like what wasn't didn't she have an apartment in brooklyn or something yeah and she was able
1: to fly back and forth to england all the time uh uh-huh and then
0: she chose to give the apartment up and then could just go stay at like any number of places like
1: yeah oh dear oh boy (laughs)
0: yeah anywho back to the town square this is probably, um, I think this is later in the day or maybe the next day or so. They are going about retrieving all of these eggs, of course. Taylor's gathered up a bunch of volunteers. He's giving a speech that is very passive-aggressive toward Kirk. <laughs> Poor Kirk Poor is, like, so passionate and enthusiastic, like, trying to support Taylor and trying to, like, drum up enthusiasm to, like, we're going to get this done. He's kind of trying to, like, cover <laughs> his tracks, Um And in the crowd, Jackson is there and he gets my Lorelai's closet for the beautiful coat he is wearing, which actually reminds me of the Evermore coat, which is like Taylor Swift's album, Evermore, on the cover. She's wearing, it's like her back and she's, Mm -hmm. you see this coat she has and it's like kind of this like deep red and orange plaid sort of thing. And... Like, people have looked into it. It's, like, this expensive coat. (laughs) But there was, at a time, an Old Navy flannel that looked very Ah. close to the coat. So, like, a lot of people got that flannel, including myself. (laughs) And I'm like, Jackson wore that coat before Taylor Swift wore the coat. So we could post a comparison um, and see if people agree. Kind of like how you made the point that Taylor wore the sweaters before Chris. Evans,
1: right, Mm -hmm. and Knives Out. (laughs) I'm writing a note for that. Good, good. (laughs) I also had two awards in this scene. Ooh. I gave the Assembly of Stars Hollow people my (laughs) Stars Hollow moment. (laughs) Very good, yeah. (laughs) It was very... They were all joking, making fun of Taylor's toupee. There were some people who looked grumpy to be there, but they were all still (laughs) volunteers to do this ridiculous job, so... Very Stars Hollow. Mm-hmm. And I gave Jackson an award as well. I gave him mm-hmm. my uh, Jess attack <laughs> for, for doing one of those uh, toupee guy says what jokes yeah. to Taylor, <laughs> who then says what, and then Kirk explains the joke. I was first introduced to this kind of joke from Wayne's World, mm. where uh, Gus Berry, uh I think multiple times, Asks people, a sphincter says what, <laughs> and then uh, they say what, of course. So mm-hmm. classic joke style, a classic <laughs> joke. Yeah,
0: I feel like Jackson was making the most of his appearance in this mm-hmm. episode. Definitely. You know, he was really had some standout moments.
1: <laughs> yeah. After this, oh, I also loved Kirk's pep talk, but I didn't write it down. He just like Sean Gunn in this episode. I there just need to be needs to be an award for. Him for this entire mm-hmm. show because he carries the comedy on his back <laughs> so much so often yeah I agree amazing um, so after this we go to Jason's really quickly where inexplicably Lorelai's trying to find a place for a plant we've never seen her be a plant <laughs> person before they were like we just need them to be doing something <laughs> yeah. in the scene as they have dialogue so like what about this plant we have here <laughs> weird. <laughs> um mm-hmm. but the main purpose of this scene is to establish that they're both pretty uh nervous about meeting or ha- about going to the dinner with Floyd and Carol because it's on Friday so that means Lorelai and Rory will be there and Lorelai is going to be meeting the parents even though nobody knows that that's the relationship. I mean as far as we know at this we point. I think <laughs> nobody knows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um and I gave uh Jason is explaining that his parents hate every girl he's ever dated and I gave my Rory's bookshelf to his uh reference of Oedipus he said it uh. says it's like a reverse Oedipal complex or whatever that they hate all the girls that he's ever dated so I thought I would give a little bit of Oedipus Rex story which is a it's Greek always a good time to talk yeah. about Oedipus yeah <laughs> it's a Greek uh play i believe um i don't remember the exact dates i probably should have looked that up but you know from the classical greek era and it's very famous because of specifically in the 21st century because of how freud worked with oedipus but the basic plot is that oedipus's parents are given this prophecy that he will be the death of both of them and marry his mother (laughs) (laughs) to prevent this they send him away to try and, you know, circumvent prophecy which never works out. They should have listened to their own stories. Um and it ends up that Oedipus finds his way back there, but he's grown up, they don't recognize him, and by accident he ends up killing the man who's actually his father. But then his mother falls in love with him and they get married and live together for some time, I think, before it's all discovered and uh It all, of course, goes badly, as you would expect. Mm -hmm. And so Freud's theory is that every man is in love with his mother. And all like (laughs) the person he's looking to marry is basically a version of his mother. (laughs) Uh, And that's what's called the Oedipal Complex, Mm -hmm. uh, thanks to Freud. Right. And so
0: how, well, I'll, I'll add quickly, it was written by this guy called Sophocles. Oh yeah. No big Fun. deal. <laughs> no big deal. I think I I read Oedipus Rex in maybe my first year of college, mm-hmm. but I also read the play Antigone yeah. in high That's school, which is about Oedipus's daughter, I believe. And I think it might have been written first, but in terms of chronology it happens after the mm-hmm. events of Oedipus Rex. And I just I remember so distinctly my high school teacher like swearing to us like you cannot call the play anti-gone like <laughs> anti-gon. <laughs> high schoolers of course because yeah. Antigone is spelled like anti yeah. and then gone. And so that was like one of the things she felt really strongly about was like <laughs> do not joke about Antigone and call it Antigone And then also she... um refused for us to call the frankenstein's uh, like creature we couldn't mm-hmm. call it the monster <laughs> we could only call him like the creature or whatever mm-hmm. so it's just funny the things you remember about like
1: yeah <laughs> classes <seriously>. from
0: <laughs> high school so i do remember oedipus in that way um but of course the freud the oedipus stuff what do you think jason means by this being like the opposite
1: of i was like
0: because uh, yeah I, don't know. I
1: was trying to figure out exactly what and I my conclusion is that it's a misplaced pop culture reference like it just Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense in the context because if it was a reverse Oedipal complex then potentially they would fall in love with (laughs) any girl he dates or something like that it just doesn't make sense that the reverse Oedipal complex would be them hating all the girls that he dates yeah that that just doesn't track uh, yeah, so I think that it was just like a name drop type of thing in the wrong. And I th- I think it's often I mean, it's it's such a common phrase, but people don't always know exactly what it means. They tend to just use it as like a kind of messed up or taboo type of relationship mm-hmm. um, without always knowing the full story. So I think it's like it's not a big deal that it's misused here. It's just kind of normal in a way. You know how people yeah, miss your yeah. sayings. <laughs> right, of but. course.
0: It's not like Jason probably read Sophocles' play, yeah, He if might I had have to though. guess.
1: <laughs> he could have, you know, like I guess I did, so maybe he yeah. could, yeah. Yeah, it's a great, great play if you ever... It's like one of the few Greek things that I read in undergrad that stu- has stuck like so clearly in my mind. I haven't read it since, but I remember yeah. the scenes and the plot and everything very clearly. Yeah,
0: It's good, like... Greek tragedies yeah. are so like fun, you know. Yeah. Like, ugh, they all they always think <laughs> they can escape their fate,
1: but they never yeah.
0: can. Everybody always <laughs>
1: dies in bloody, yeah. bloody ways. <laughs> Funny. <laughs>
0: final thing about this scene in my notes um well two things actually did you notice the sweater jason was wearing it was the no. cool sweater i pointed out last uh, gotta oh, gotta I'm go sorry. back and see his sweater it's really good it's <laughs> the white one with like the yeah <laughs> and then oh, the second thing is the dog is still not there yeah what what
1: they is couldn't... up with
0: that they couldn't, I guess. Do you think they like ran out of their dog budget with the Kirk thing? I like they're so. like, we can't, af- we can't afford any more dog actors. That's <laughs> like, probably we
1: true. I bet <laughs> they had written this scene for the dog, but then they couldn't uh-huh. get the dog, so they had to put a plant in uh, instead. It's <laughs> a
0: plant. Let's yeah, let's oh, like add, yeah, let's adjust.
1: <laughs> Funny, wow. poor Cyrus.
0: Okay, yeah. Okay, moving ahead. We are back in the town square. And Rory is visiting town, as she told Dean earlier. There's going to be a party, and she has a paper to write, so she chose to come home to Stars Hollow. Um, Lane is catching her up as they're walking around the square, including many opinions about music that went a little bit over my head, but you know it's fun for them, of course. And then they also end up talking about the eggs of it all, and then they, from there, they walk into the market. This is when, um, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, Rory is helping Lane shop for food, and Lane is kind of in the tricky position of not having that much money, having two guys that are also needing to eat, and then... I guess she also doesn't have much of a kitchen or ways to, like, prepare food. So (laughs) her options are very small. And Rory, like, picks out some things that Lane approves of. But other things, like marshmallows, I guess, are too much of a luxury for Lane. So there's kind of that discrepancy between the two of them. But I would say the most important thing that happens in this scene is that Rory starts to go off on Lindsay. And the situation, she's kind of like, you know, this part I, like, can't totally, like... Blame Rory for necessarily because, like, I've definitely gossiped about like couples from my high school or like couples you know and you like judge their decisions, but like, as an outsider, you know, like you understand, like, you don't have an impact, but you just kind of like judge. I guess Rory thinks she, I don't know, either way, either way, Rory's gossiping and talking loudly, and they round a corner to find who. Lindsay of of course and this was my star's hollow moment actually because like it's such a small town you're in the grocery store like the one grocery store Mm -hmm. like you can't be talking at like a normal volume about someone and risk like running into them or running into someone who knows them and like I have had this problem before like I've made a rule like you can't gossip about like work when you're at work you know like it's just too risky right like and Rory learns that lesson here because she's just been saying like why doesn't Lindsay get a job what does Lindsay do all day well apparently one thing she does is get groceries <laughs> because she's <Yeah>. right there <laughs> and like yeah. uh yeah it's a classic awkward encounter
1: yeah we have a couple of listener opinions about this scene. Mm. Um, the first one the first person sent us two separate messages that are very funny. I'm gonna try <laughs> and read them with the appropriate uh tone, I guess. <laughs> so they say, Poor Lindsay, but I hate Lindsay, but Rory's right, but she shouldn't open her mouth about it. And then also, shut the F up, Rory. So I feel like that's <laughs> a good sentiment. Like we understand the sentiment there. Like it is kind of a as you were saying, it's normal for people to rant about or like vent about stuff or kind of gossip. I feel like that's demonized often, but it's also an important thing in society that we just gossip. But you have to be mm-hmm. careful about where you gossip yeah. and who could be overhearing you. Yeah. Um also we have another listener who said Rory should have kept her school opinions to herself, but I like the <laughs> drama of Lindsay overhearing and I mm-hmm. yeah, w- I said earlier it's a good episode because of the drama. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. like without the encounter with Lindsay, this would be a very like oh yeah, very complaining kind of scene like we've seen that before, but this is like it it like it it furthers the plot because you mm-hmm. know like this isn't going this is going to affect like the relationships of all three people involved. um yeah, you can't come back from this with no consequences.
1: Yeah. It's also just so cringe second hand embarrassment, all of that. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: I'm sure we've all said, like, been gossiping or something or said something that the person overhood that we didn't want them to overhear. I think that's a universal experience. Oh, it feels so bad. I know. I have this, like, my terrible instinct when that happens is to double down, and it's not good. (laughs) I'll just be like, yeah, I don't care that they heard it, Mm. Uh, which I always do. you.
0: You do care. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, Good. I do
0: like, not in the way that Rory was implying, of like why doesn't Lindsay have a job? Because she's kind of being like Lindsay is so like needy and like Mm -hmm. not contributing, but she whatever. But unlike from a purely like friendly standpoint, I should say like I do kind of wonder why she doesn't have a job or like like what are Lindsay's interests? Like what does she like? Like what would she like to work like? she could have like even like a part-time i'm just like she could work at the beauty store she could work at the bookstore like they i don't i am kind of curious like i think we said before like she's kind of a housewife in training but she seems to like Still be in training. She's like they don't show her as skilled at housewifing, but then also like we're unsure if she even has a house to housewife in. So it's yeah. like, what does she do all day? Yeah. I really am curious from like a genuine standpoint.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I could understand if they were like actively trying to start a family or something, but uh yeah, it doesn't seem to be the case yet. So, yeah, I, I would just like. There's definitely plenty of housework to do, but when there's not children and everything, it can't possibly take up your whole day, every day, you know? So you'd get yeah. bored, I would think. Yeah. But maybe she volunteers. I bet that's something that a lot of people do when they don't have a job and don't need to have a job, but are also have free We didn't see time. her <laughs> volunteering to find the eggs, though. That's true. It's <laughs> one of the great opportunities of the town. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyways, our next scene is at Luke's later that evening, I believe, and Kirk is delirious. He's been searching for eggs for hours and hours and hasn't slept. And Taylor comes in and very rudely, I thought, assumes that Kirk is doing all this just to ruin Taylor's life and ruin the town. And he <laughs> thinks that all of this is just Taylor or Kirk posturing and he's not really like, severely upset that he lost all of these eggs. <laughs> I just thought Taylor was being totally unfair. It was uncalled for. Kirk is out here, like, giving his all to find these eggs. Mm-hmm. He didn't do this on purpose. <laughs> yeah, and plus,
0: like, as grumpy as Taylor's acting, I feel like secretly he is, like, happy and feels vindicated mm-hmm. that, like, the town fell to pieces in a sense when he was gone. He's kind of, yeah. like... I'm the only one who can do this and now I have to pick up the pieces when I come back and whatever. Like, I feel like he's secretly loving all of this.
1: Yeah. He conveniently and, never heard of the success of the Founders Firelight Festival that Kirk yeah, organized. Yeah, come on. Even
0: Luke looks sympathetic in this scene toward Kirk. Like, you can tell he's starting to feel bad for him because Taylor is just, like, keeping on to him all of this criticism and whatnot, which I thought, we'll, well, as we'll see, it leads to a very sweet moment between Luke and Kirk later on. But, you know, before we get to that happy moment, <laughs> we have, like, a whole lot of drama to unpack before then, with our second friday night dinner of the episode and you know they let's just set the scene we're out (laughs) on the patio for once which is different Mm -hmm. and we've got a whole lot of drinks on the drink cart lorelei is looking nice which everyone keeps commenting on even though i'm with her i'm like she looks nice every single friday night dinner i i it would work better if they actually had her on other weeks look like she came straight from work but they never do that even (laughs) though they want to act like they do (laughs) and uh the two guests of honor arrive floyd and i think carol or Mm -hmm. something like that yeah they're chatting at first you know classic jokes about all the maids emily fires richard cracks one (laughs) of like western mathematical principles can't accommodate the question of how many maids emily has hired, which is wow. like wow <laughs> uh they go to dinner things are going like well ish so far then rory leaves early mentions her paper again which i was like that's consistent i guess weird to like go home on a friday night and i i don't know yeah but, yeah she leaves that's the important thing And they do the very classic separation of the sexes where the men go to have their cigars (laughs) and the women go elsewhere and wait for the men to smoke their cigars.
1: (laughs) This reminds me of that scene in Titanic where Rose tells uh, Jack that the men are going to go and smoke their cigars and congratulate each other on being masters of the universe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Typical. Yeah, very typical. Um, And it is the... In the midst of the cigar smoking when everything kind of goes to shit, um, they are chatting as boys do. <laughs> Richard is telling this pretty interesting story about like the brand of cigars he likes mm-hmm. and how he couldn't get them from the seller. And so he went around the cellar and bought all of them, like, more than he could ever smoke in a lifetime. And then he ended up selling them back to the seller. And so it's this like, supposed to be an anecdote that demonstrates, like, what Richard Gilmore would do, mm-hmm. which Floyd references later when he's like, yeah, I'm cutthroat, but, like, this is what you would do. Like, what a serious good business would do, which it turns out in this situation mm-hmm. is Floyd letting them know that he's suing both of them (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh it's very calculated he lets them yeah he lets them know he's suing them and then he leaves and they like follow them out he they follow him out. it's getting heated the women are like what's going on and um he lets them know also that he's had like jason is like I guess Jason is wondering like how he knows some information like he knows about this lunch he had with a client that was supposedly supposed to be like non-compete you mm-hmm. can't do that you can't talk to that client and so he's using that as a piece of evidence against them in this lawsuit potentially and Jason's like how do you even know that do you have a PI <laughs> on me so apparently that's something Floyd does just yeah. like investigates people and so then Floyd and just like a general fuck you moment like just says Lorelai and Jason are dating like he like says there's no reason for him to tell anyone yeah. this but he really just like wants to like rub salt in the wound i think yeah. and um so everyone is left really awkwardly and Emily and lorelei obviously have this weirdness because now Emily knows Jason and her are dating and then Richard and Jason are in this awkward position because this is Jason's father who's doing this to them. And, and Richard is kind of worried about, like, how has Jason been acting? Like, has he, like, he did have this lunch. Was that against, like, was that illegal? And so he's kind of questioning Jason's practices. And Jason is trying to be, like, gaining his trust back and telling him he's going to solve it. And Richard is like, yeah, okay, by the end. But, mm-hmm. like... You kind of suspect already that you're like, uh, clearly Richard does not trust Jason after all of this. Um,
1: so, yeah. yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> what were your thoughts? <laughs> I actually gave my Friday night dinner to Floyd in general. I <laughs> Floyd just, in general, yeah. <laughs> I just thought he was such a, I don't know, unfeeling asshole through all of this. Mm. It was like psychotic And I I don't know if I'm using that word correctly, but it was like he had no empathy for people whatsoever. He was just like, I am a ruthless businessman. I'm going to take all of you down, but I'm not just going to take you down. I'm going to make you first feel like we're having a great time, like we're all friends. Everything's laid to rest. All of our conflicts are gone. And then I'm just going to pull the rug right out from under you And potentially ruin your entire life because we find out that (laughs) Richard had used his pension as collateral for the business, um, which Emily didn't know. But so Floyd knows very well that he's not just like getting revenge on Richard for... Well, Richard didn't even leave. He was kind of ousted from the company. So he's not Mm -hmm. just getting revenge on Jason for taking some clients. He's like utterly destroying two people's lives and their families' lives and he's just like getting joy from it (laughs) he just doesn't feel bad at all and one of those people is his son that's just like unconscionable i can't believe it um so i just floyd is just an asshole and it's worse that he seems nice emily was right to be like Nitpicking every single thing he had said at the golf course to figure out what he really meant. Like we needed Emily mm-hmm. in there in the cigar room, yeah. <laughs> figuring uh-huh. out what he was actually saying. Yeah, he
0: is like brutal, mm-hmm. so cutthroat, so calculated. And you're like the lack of emotions and empathy is really like the telling sign here. I th- I think you're right that the only emotion he has is like the sick joy yeah. <laughs> of like <laughs> yeah. when his machinations like unfold and like based on what we see at the end of the episode part of me thinks like he he knew all along in this lawsuit like as Jason says like he's like he doesn't actually want to do this lawsuit and I think that's true and it's like I feel like he's really not trying that much to fuck over Richard Mm -hmm. it's more about fucking over Jason because I think he knows like Richard can find a way out of this yeah. which he does but it's like Jason who will be left with nothing and that's just so sad
1: yeah <laughs> it's so and sad then Carol Carol clearly knew going into this whole thing what was yeah. going to happen because as the men are storming out she's like well I guess that's my cue to leave so she yeah. was also like in on it yeah she was being so nice to Emily and all of that and then knowing what was going down in the other room it was just ouch and poor Carol. Jason yeah Poor Jason, indeed. So he
0: and Lorelai flee um, (laughs) with a bottle of vodka is their plan. Um, And Jin, because he's like, I've got a great (laughs) bottle of vodka. And she's like, but what are you going to drink, Jin? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we'll kind of, we'll come back to this. But before we do, we do have a nice little uplifting scene in between there. Uh, It's brief, though. (laughs) We are back at town. And Kirk is just having a, <laughs> just having a breakdown. You know, oh he's at his physical and psychological limits. He is in distress trying to find these last 12 eggs. And he's on the ground. And he looks up and sees a <laughs> pair of boots. And who is it uh, but Luke? And Luke drops a, ba- a plastic bag in front of him. And it's the last 12 eggs that Luke has found. Oh. So nice. <laughs> and... Classic Luke is trying to be like, it's not a big deal. Like, don't talk about it. It's fine. Just tell Taylor you found them. And yeah. (laughs) And so he walks away. But then (laughs) Kirk is just (laughs) screaming after him. I love you. I love Luke Danes. (laughs) And Luke immediately regrets it. (laughs) He did this. But I don't think he really regrets it. You know, he's just acting like he regrets it. (laughs) But, you know, I think once before you had been talking about like Luke acts so annoyed by kirk all the time but like underneath that is a friendship Mm -hmm. you know and so it's so nice when it pops up genuinely and here was a great sign of like luke does care about kirk and he really helps him out and who knows how long it took for him Mm -hmm. to find the 12 eggs who knows where they were like kirk apparently had hidden some up really high in trees (laughs) so like um yeah it was just a very sweet moment
1: yeah this scene was my gazebo moment Nice. for those reasons exactly. It was just very <clears throat> very touching after we just watched two people get decimated by Floyd. Um and I yeah. I do love the uh, Luke Kirk friendship. I do wonder though how how hard can it really be to find rotten eggs? Yeah, when they smell so bad, can't you just follow yeah. your nose? <laughs> I almost wonder if they're like implying
0: that because there's so many, just like yeah. everywhere smells bad, and so like it's so ubiquitous that you can't like. They just need to get a dog. Out. Get a dog,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, kind of after during this scene, Rory is driving past through town, and Dean approaches her car very quickly. I thought this was very like. I better make sure all my doors are locked, kind of behavior. <laughs> yeah, but was he
0: like waiting outside, yeah. hoping Rory would drive by? Like, like how did he, how did he even
1: know? Like, <laughs> I thought this doesn't really make sense, but his movements in this scene gave me huge Sasquatch vibes. It was <laughs> just <laughs> the way he was moving. I was just like, wow. This is a creature of the wild approaching you. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, <laughs> but he has Roy pull over and then he pulls her into an alleyway to talk. A dark alley. Very Not sketchy sus. at all. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever
0: find yourself in an alley with someone else's spouse, mm-hmm. I feel like you should
1: know immediately that probably something is up that yeah. shouldn't be going on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they both kind of start frantically apologizing to each other. Um for their fight at Yale and then also Rory's like I guess uh Lindsay heard me saying all this stuff about her and Dean's like yeah she doesn't want me talking to you anymore and I have thoughts about this usually when like you hear that a boyfriend or something doesn't want their girlfriend talking to certain people I'd be like that's a huge red flag yeah but in this case it's <laughs> yeah. entirely justified and it's, mm-hmm. like, Lindsay is picking up on stuff that we can see from their sexual chemistry in this scene, <laughs> but they're still denying. It's, like, they should not be around each other in any, any way. It's going to go badly, and Lindsay should be listened to. I think she had it right yeah. in this case.
0: Yeah. I agree. This scene was my Friday night dinner because I was in between this one and then the previous um scene between Rory and Dean especially when Rory said like I think that's a horrible decision about him um quitting school and it was like well you're not the third person in their marriage like you don't really get to have like an opinion about their decisions that they make together and here what really like caught my eye was first that like Um, after they've been, like, apologizing to each other and saying they're both the jerk or whatever, Dean says, like, sometimes it seems like you're the only one, like, who doesn't want Mm -hmm. him to settle, essentially. And so it's, like, it's just he's putting this, like, thing onto Rory in a weird way where, like, he's kind of, like, using her to then antagonize everyone else in his life and kind of, like, victimize himself and view her as, like the one who can see his true like worth and whatever and it's just so problematic and then what really gets to me is that there's almost this moment I think of like no return that kind of happens here but it could have been a stopping point for them where after he says Lindsay doesn't want them to talk anymore Rory says that's understandable and there's like a beat and so it's Mm -hmm. like For a second there, Rory is like, yeah, I guess after everything that's happened, I can see why she wouldn't want you to talk to me. And that's too bad. But like she kind of accepts it. But then they both he says like, but I don't want that to happen. And she says she doesn't want that to happen. So then they both kind of like, I guess, agree to keep talking behind her wishes, you know, which is like if before they thought they weren't doing anything wrong by being friends again or, you know, like. They didn't explicitly have Lindsay's disapproval yet. Now they do. So, like, moving forward, they know they're doing something that Lindsay doesn't want them to do. Mm-hmm. Like, this is going into an even darker place. And, like, I feel like the mood of that is communicated because it's so, like, weird the way they, like, walk away from the alley. Mm-hmm. Like, Dean, they, like, walk away separately. And then Roy is just, like, at the entryway to the alley alleyway looking very like pensive and (laughs) it's just like very moody of an ending so yeah i guess i just saw it as like a turning point of sorts where it's like it was already bad but now this is like um the beginning of the decline toward badness yeah
1: yeah there's something that dean does when he's like trying to I don't know, when he, like, is getting sexy, that gives me such an ick. <laughs> like, in this scene, you can tell that he's, like, he and Roar like, they're trying to build some sort of sexual chemistry between mm. the two of them, so he's, like, kind of softening his voice and, like, leaning forward a bit towards her, mm. and it just grosses me out so much.
0: <laughs> I don't the know why. The body language. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I thought, like, I still continue to think he looks quite attractive, as I've said before. Um, and I did think he looked very good, like, carrying the bookcase with, like, the wingspan earlier. Like, that was much more attractive than the stuff going on in this <laughs> scene. I agree.
1: <laughs> uh, it's just going to get worse and worse.
0: <laughs> Indeed.
1: Um. After this, though, we have pretty much three quick scenes to finish off the episode. The first one is back... At the Gilmore's house, um, Richard is kind of standing outside looking contemplative, and Emily comes up to him and is, like, asking whether he really did put up their his pension as collateral and everything, and he is just, his response is just, um, everything's going to be okay. So you kind of see in his face that he already has a plan, mm-hmm. and I also feel like you can see in his face that he knows it's kind of a diabolical plan in a way. <laughs> But it has yeah. to happen, like the the things he'll sacrifice pretty much anything to make sure that he and Emily, especially Emily, is able to like continue to live her life um as sh- as he thinks she deserves to, so yeah, he's willing to sacrifice Jason, <laughs>
0: I think, yeah, and he's like also I think another clue is that he's like evasive when she asks, "Did you talk to Jason?" Mm-hmm. He kind of like skirts the question and it's just like it's gonna be okay more generally. So yeah, there's a lot of foreboding building mm-hmm. at this point. And it's a little, it's a sad because it's sad because then in the next scene, Jason and Lorelai are drunkenly talking <laughs> about how Jason is convinced like everything will be okay. Like, which is so yeah. sad knowing what happens. Cause he's like <gasps> thinking about the different ways he can work it out. And like now Lorelai and his relationship is public. So like they kind of wanted that to happen And all of that. And it's like,
1: Mm. poor, poor Jason. Naive.
0: His plant has died as well. Which I think is a bit of like a sad symbol um, for sure. And this all leads us to our final scene. Which I gave my gazebo moment. Ah. Because I thought it was, it has such a dramatic effect. And I remember it. And it's like, even though there is clearly foreshadowing of this like I still find it to be such a huge surprise because we kind of come into it like after they've made this deal um so like to set the scene Richard is again at the golf course and Jason and I talked about like oh it's okay I'm gonna smooth things out and we're gonna golf soon Richard and I so like it's gonna be okay so like when you see Richard golfing you might think oh then Jason is gonna come into the frame and it's those two. But it's not. It is Floyd. And they're like mid. They've already put like placements. They've already put things into place. Mm -hmm. And Richard is saying like, oh, yeah, so are we good about this, this and that. And you learn that Richard has made out this arrangement with Floyd that um, he's going to have his company underneath Floyd's umbrella or something like that. But really, like the logistics don't matter so much as the fact that they both say Jason is out like he can't come he's going to be left with like no clients no company no nothing pretty much Mm -hmm. like it's a very unfortunate position to take to have and then like I I don't know you had you said in the like the other scene Richard kind of looked like he knew that his plan was diabolical and I was thinking about Richard's expression here because I'm like maybe he's like internally sad but yeah. like his he doesn't seem to show any remorse yeah. about the betrayal on the outside like do you think he does I don't know I was just like I, very like it's so cold and that's part of the drama of it for me
1: I feel like he's justifying it in his head with the mm. lie stuff like mm. um he's justifying that Jason isn't trustworthy not just from like, the potential lunch with that person, but also from lying about Lorelei. So, I don't know. I feel mm. like he's using that to tamp down any sort of guilt he might be feeling at this point. Yeah. <sighs> Poor Jason. Poor Jason. Never thought I yeah. would have said that at the beginning of this season. <laughs> I know.
0: Man. Yeah. It, it's too bad. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what unfolds because of it. Yeah. Next week, I would think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oof. lot of
0: this insurance talk I know like (laughs) when they were talking about like oh but he put his pension up as collateral Mm -hmm. I was like I'm just gonna assume that's a big deal because like I don't like I know pensions are great and all that but I guess I just didn't I assumed like Richard has like generational wealth and like investments and all of that stuff I didn't really think he was like using a salary to like I don't know yeah but I'm like I'm just gonna take their word for it on the money stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All of the insurance talk reminded me of a good book recommendation I have for any fantasy lovers out there, mm. called *The Justice of Kings* by Richard Swan. The first book is like a I don't know kind of a murder mystery that becomes something much bigger. But part of it is this guy, like the main the main character is a justice, so he goes around dispensing justice for on. Um, like rural towns and stuff but part of it is he he's like trying to learn how insurance works it's like a new fairly new concept for insuring like uh cargo and stuff because this is like Mm -hmm. set in uh, fantasy medieval times or whatever um so there's a lot of insurance explanation in it (laughs) it's a really good series the third book comes out in february i have pre-ordered it i'm very excited
0: Wow I never like would have thought like a book recommendation involving insurance talk (laughs) would be like a recommendation from you but I'll take your word for it. (laughs) Yeah I mean
1: that's just a small part of it It also includes demons from hell but you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah I do like stuff like that though like lawyer shows Mm -hmm. medical shows like it doesn't really matter that I don't understand like the language that they're talking necessarily
1: (laughs) but it's just cool to like yeah. I get it I see it yeah I wouldn't say that a lot of procedurals understand the language that they're talking either (laughs) yeah (laughs) so true (laughs) anyways who was your MVP for this episode I think I will have to say my MVP
0: is um I guess I'm kind of between Jason and Kirk probably Mm -hmm. like I I think I want to say Jason because I feel bad for him but it's not necessarily that he like I don't know. Like, maybe what, maybe he'll be the MVP next week. I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Kirk though, um, because of everything we said, you know, poor guy. He made a mistake. He didn't make a map and now he's regretting it. And Taylor is giving him such a hard time and he is just doing the best he can, not sleeping or anything. And yeah. And like you said, Sean Gunn really like, we he just needs an award for what mm-hmm. the work he does on the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, he does. How about you? Uh, I think I'm also gonna give mine to Kirk because yeah, nobody else really acted greatly in this episode. I don't like <laughs> Lorelai and Jason and Emily didn't nec- didn't do anything bad. They just also but didn't not like do anything big great. actions. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah Rory did bad things. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna give it to Kirk. He gave us the entertainment the lightheartedness and i also just love his friendship with luke it's cute yeah <laughs> if mvp stood for most villainous oh yeah player, be floyd.
0: that'd be floyd <laughs> yeah. and carol even yeah carol was in on it she shout was. out to carol yeah. villain too yep. <laughs> girl power <laughs> oh dear <laughs> all right well on that note talk soon, talk soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast.
1: Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your
0: thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.